Lord Jesus, uh, we love you so much. What a, what a privilege to worship you through communion, through our tithes and our offerings and our giving, through singing and dancing. God, what a joy. And Father, we want to worship you through the preaching of the gospel also. And Lord, we, we recognize that it's your word that transforms us. It's your word that, that gives us life, gives us breath, gives us the energy we need to accomplish what you've called us to do. And Lord, we honor you and your word this morning. Jesus, we honor you, the living word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and he is the word. His name is Jesus. We honor you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Yeah, let's clap for the word for sure. Because right now, uh, and you know, I go on these little rants every once in a while, but society wants to define humanity apart from the word, and it doesn't work. You always run dry. You always hit the bottom of yourself and realize that you have an end. And this is why we're not defined by what we feel. We're not defined by what we think or experienced. And that's hard to not define life by what you experience, okay? We're defined by the, the word of God. Yeah, and that's the title of my message uh, this week. That's a cool picture for sure. Uh-huh. And uh, it's Christmas time, right? And 2,000 years ago, ago uh, before the nativity, before Jesus came into the world, there was a period of silence where the prophets were not hearing and speaking God's word, and people were just sort of trying to figure it out the best they could without any current divine revelation coming to the earth, okay? And this is sort of what we're in right now, and God in, his, in, in our culture, and God in his mercy is reminding us, 2,000 years ago, I addressed that problem by sending the word, God sent himself, the word, Jesus, into a manger so that we could not only hear the word of God, but live in fellowship with the word of God. Christmas is actually the breakthrough of God's voice coming to the earth in a way where you can relate with it, not based on your ability, but based on your willingness to have relationship with the King Most High. That's incredible. To be a follower of Jesus, you must have a relationship with his voice. <laughs> you must hear God speak to you in order for you to follow him. Right? You can't follow a leader you don't hear. You know what I'm saying? You can't be obedient to something that is silent. Because if you are, if you think you are, you're really just being obedient to your feelings, to your experience, to your best judgment and sensibility. In order to follow Jesus, you have to have a living relationship with his voice, hearing where he's calling you, and then walking in obedience according to the call. Okay? We're going to read some scriptures. We're going, to, we're going to dig into this. But followers are led by his voice. Jesus is the leader. 
Okay? We're not the leader. The, the church institute is not the leader. Jesus is the leader. And if you're going to be led, you have to be able to hear his voice. <laughs> Go to Matthew 26 and Luke 22. These, these are uh, two parallel scriptures of the night Jesus was betrayed and arrested. We're going to kind of go through both of them. Matthew 26, verse 50 and fi- through 54. This is as Jesus is being betrayed by Judas. It says, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for a thousand angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. (laughs) Any moment Jesus could send a thousand angels into your situation. Oh, come on. That's exciting. Let's keep reading. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Powerful. Go to Luke 22. This is Dr. Luke's version. We should be thankful for it. Luke 22, verse 35. Same uh, situation. Jesus is about to be betrayed. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without a, well, this is to his disciples, when I sent you without a purse or bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. In verse 36, he says, and he said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. And then he replies, that's enough. Then skip to verse 47. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Verse 49, when Jesus' followers saw what was happening, going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest's ear and cut, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and he healed him. And I love that picture. I don't know, like what team are you on? Did he just touch the wound and a new ear grew out? Or did he pick the the lopped off ear off the dirt ground and put it back on his head? Raise your hand if he created a new ear. All right, raise your hand if he picked the, the, yeah. I, I like the pick the other ear up version too. It just seems more natural. Just, oh, here you go. Like a Mr. Potato Head. (laughs) And so in John 18, the same situation, we find out that it was Peter who cut off the high priest's servant's ear. The high priest's servant's name was Malchus. It was Peter who cut off his ear. And Peter could have made the argument that God provided for the swords, right? He told them, bring some swords with you, and gave Peter the ability to use them. And Peter, just being a good protector, just responds to the crisis in front of him 
by using the things that God gave him to use and takes things into his own hands and lops off the high servant's ear. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing what you know how to do with what God has given you and using the strength that God has given you and using the abilities God has given you and doing things you know how to do to honor God? What's wrong with that? The problem is, is that Peter is relying on his own strength. Peter is relying in what he knows how to do. Jesus told him to take the sword, but Jesus never told him to use it, did he? See, Peter committed a capital offense when he did that. I don't know if you've thought about this, but when Peter cut that guy's ear off, he was liable to be executed. You can't just go around slicing off the ears of the high priest slave. That's a capital offense. See, Jesus never called him to it. But Peter, in his own strength, makes a decision based on what he's experiencing, what he knows about himself, how he feels, to be led by the voice of fear to accomplish what he thinks is right. That's the problem. See, fear is a wonderful engine. It'll get you moving and it'll take you places, but it's a terrible compass. It'll never take you where you're meant to go. Fear will get you moving and excited and passionate and active on your commitments. It'll just take you in a direction you're not supposed to be. But in Jesus' mercy for Peter's life, he atones for Peter's sin even before he goes to the cross. Isn't that beautiful? He covers Jesus, or Peter's sin even before he finishes the work on the cross. He absolves the evidence and puts the high priest slave Malchus's ear back on his head. <laughs> I think that's beautiful and worth mentioning. Even when Peter takes things into his own hands, turns off his ability to obey Jesus and starts moving based on what he sees, feels, thinks, and knows he can do, Jesus covers him and takes away the evidence. But then Jesus scolds Peter. He says, Peter, I know you felt like you were doing something important. I know you felt like you were doing the right thing. How many of you know that for a believer, the desire to do something righteous is intoxicating. It's intoxicating. It's built into each one of us that we want to do something to solve something else that is not right. For husbands, it's even to the detriment of our wives, right? We want to fix the problem. <laughs> we, we want to step in and do what we know how to do to solve what we think is not of God. The problem is, is that sometimes doing something is worse than doing nothing if that something is not what God has called you to do. So Jesus says to Peter, because you live by your strength, your strength is going to consume you one day. It's not an issue of swords, folks. It's not an issue of weapons. It's that, Peter, you live your life relying on what you have and what you can do, and one day that's going to catch up to you and consume you. 
Don't you know that moments ago when Jesus spoke in John 18, all the Roman soldiers fell back to the ground in awe. They were slain in the spirit. So in case you were wondering if that's a biblical thing, it is to be slain in the spirit is happening right here. In the presence of almighty God, these Roman centurions and soldiers, they fall back underneath his power. And Peter and Jesus goes, Peter, did you just forget what happened here? If you live in your own strength, you're going to be consumed by your own strength. Your desire to confuse what you see, what you feel, what you think with my voice is going to get you in a lot of trouble. Your desire to navigate your own life and be your own leader is going to get you in trouble. Peter was prepared. He knew his abilities. He knew his commitment. He was passionate. He just forgot the key to following Jesus. What's the key to following Jesus? Relationship with his voice. Jesus said to get the swords. He didn't say to use them. <laughs> the problem was that Peter wasn't moving according to God's voice. He was moving according to his own will. Peter was resisting God's voice by engaging with his own ability. Without Jesus' voice, you can only do what you know how to do. Without Jesus' voice, you are stuck in your own strength. Like Peter, you are restrained to your own ability. Without a relationship with Jesus' voice, you can only be as wise as you are knowledgeable. That's a bad thing. <laughs> you need revelation from heaven. You need wisdom from on high. You need the voice of God breaking through into your weak mortal life and revealing things to you that are of heaven, that are not restrained by the confines of this world. Again, if you go back to the nativity scene, there is nothing about that that makes sense. An infant child coming into a dirty manger, just the fact that it did not contract, that Jesus did not contract a disease while being surrounded by salmonella is a miracle. It does not make sense from a human point of view. It does not make sense according to what we know and what we feel. It's only the wisdom of heaven that makes it authentic. And without Mary having a word from God, without the wise men studying and learning how to relate with God, nobody would have known what was happening. Because the rest of us are stuck in our own strength, our own wisdom, our own desires, our own will. And so we're weak. We're frail. We're mortal. Without Jesus' voice leading you, you can't step into his power. God's voice is a release of power onto the earth. Go to Psalm 29, verses 3 through 9. God's power or voice is a release of power onto the earth. Verse 3, the voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. Verse 4, 
The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. Come on. (laughs) The voice of the Lord makes barren wildernesses quake. The voice (laughs) of the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, glory. (laughs) What releases God's power onto the earth? His voice. I added an extra voice into that. I think it's okay. Yeah, you forgive me. (laughs) It's his voice that gives perspective over the chaos of fallen creation. It br- it's his voice that brings power and majesty into our lives. It's his voice that brings breakthrough into the hard places of your life. If you've been working and striving to fix problems in your life and have got in nowhere, it's because you need to wait on his voice. You need a word from, you don't need more work. You need a word from the Lord. You need divine revelation to speak into your chaos. I think this is a word for some folks in here. More of the same work that has not produced the results you want will, not, can, will continue to not work. You need to wait upon his voice to speak to you. It's his voice that shatters every problem we face. It's his voice that creates new life. It's his voice that exposes religion and falsehoods. It's his voice that brings healing to our hearts and our minds. It's his voice that brings glory into our life. You cannot, and I just want to say this to irritate you, you cannot be a follower of Jesus unless you have a relationship with his voice. And, and I'll even say this. I hope this really irritates you. I think there's probably a difference between being saved and truly being a follower of Jesus. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not, I'm not in charge of that. I don't get to say who's saved, who's not saved. Romans, said if you con- Romans says if you confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, you'll find salvation. But Jesus says to follow me you need to learn my voice. So maybe there's a difference between salvation and discipleship. (laughs) Yeah, that hurt me. Every human being, I don't care what you think, you're, you're wrong. Every human being is created to hear God's voice. Every human being, every person in this room, I don't care if you disagree, you're wrong. You are created to hear the voice of God for your own life. You are not only created, you are capable to hear the voice of God. It's not a matter if you can or if you cannot. You can, you just have to be willing. There's a difference between knowing you can do something and being willing to take action upon it. 
His voice in your life can only be restrained by you choosing not to listen to it. If you want to make your experiences and the way you feel and the things you see louder than his voice, he'll give you the ability to do that. He'll let you be your own God. And that's kind of terrifying. The only thing restraining you being able to hear his voice in your own life is your unwillingness to yield to it. John 10, verses 1 through 5. John 10, 1 through 5. Actually, the Lord showed me something in this that I had never understood before. Because there's a, kind, there's a couple of redundancies, and I'll, I'm just going to show you, but let's read it. John 10, 1 through 5. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate, remember the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him, and they follow him, Because they know his voice. Verse 5. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So who's the sheep? We're the sheep. Who's the shepherd? Jesus is the shepherd. Who's the gate? Jesus. Jesus is the gate. Who's the gatekeeper? The Father. The Father is the gatekeeper. The Father has built this thing so that every person who confesses Jesus has the ability to hear his voice for themselves. Every person who confesses Jesus has the ability to discern between the voice of the shepherd and the voice of of the thief or the stranger. Who's the thief and stranger? The devil. That old devil. He's the stranger. The shepherd's voice is leading you into freedom and the strength of the father. The stranger, listen to this, the stranger is leading you into deception and into your own strength. The devil wants you to be hyper-focused on your own abilities. I'll just say it again because this is going to be big for some of you. The devil wants you focused on your own abilities because when you're focused on your own abilities, you become intimidated by the circumstances around you. And just three times because it's that important. The devil, the one who has set himself to destroy God's people, wants you focused on yourself and your own capabilities because he knows eventually you will come to the conclusion that you are mere weakness. And so he doesn't care if you believe in him or don't believe in him. He wants you focused on yourself. That's why our culture is so fixated on worshiping self. 
and worshiping self leads to, to demonic worship, but it begins with being focused on yourself and realizing that you're not what you thought you were. Until you train your ear, your heart, to know his voice and discern his voice from the thief's voice, you can't actually follow him and you can't experience his power. So let's go back to the, question, the, the, the main questions. How do we hear Jesus' voice? Go back to verse 2. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. We're the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. But Jesus is also the gate. Jesus, the person of God, and Jesus, the word of God, is both the shepherd and the gate. Okay, so what's the difference? I'm not saying there's two different Jesuses. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But there's two reflections of relationship that each one of us are to have with him, the one person, in order to step into the Father's power. Jesus, the gate, is the written scripture of God. This gives us all the context and definition for our life we will ever need. What does the gate do? It keeps the bad out and lets the good in. The word of God, Jesus, the scripture, we don't worship the book. We worship the one that the book tells us about. His name is Jesus. The scripture gives us context and definition for the life we live in. You have to have a relationship with the scripture, with the, the word and the prophets and the, the, the manifestation of Jesus, the word. You have to have a relationship with the gate in order to know Jesus the shepherd. This is what allows the individual relationship with Jesus the shepherd to come into your life. Without this, you can't know the shepherd. I felt like I just confused everybody. Without this, you can, without the gate, without the boundary lines, without the, the, the source of protection, but also the source of life, the pasture right here, without the walls, you can't allow what's good in and keep what's bad out. Okay? So if you think you can know Jesus without reading his word, you are sorely deceived. I'll just say something too. Most of the deception that I run into in other people is people misapplying and misquoting the word of God. They have a misconstrued perception on who Jesus is simply because they don't read this. Now, this is how we prevent religion. This is not the end of the relationship, is it? No. It's not just words on a page. It's living. So this gate actually opens up so your heart so that the shepherd can come in and begin to have a relationship with you individually. So this is why people become religious. They take this and they worship it. They make this 
the end of their relationship with Jesus, and they never have a relationship where Holy Spirit can begin to convict their hearts because they've left him on pages in a book. (laughs) You get that? So this opens the gate so that the shepherd can begin to come into your heart and speak to you, as John 10 says, by your name. This opens your heart so that Jesus can come in and have a personal relationship with you and that you can know it's him because you have the context of the gate. (laughs) See, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, Jesus didn't come as a book. You hear what I'm saying? He didn't descend from heaven into a manger as a 2,000-word book. He was a person. He still is a person. He's living in the highest heaven, but he's also dwelling in your heart. So he gave us this so we can relate to him as a person. So we read this to know what he's like, so that when he begins to shepherd us, we're not confusing his voice with a stranger's voice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Look, you can hear God. Every person, I'll just I'll say this again. Every person in here can hear God unless you are completely thoughtless. Unless there's like nothing in here at all, it's just vegetable, you can hear God. Okay? You have thoughts. Here's what Romans also says. There's nothing that can originate from your heart that is good. Your heart is deceitful. There are no thoughts that can come from your heart that align with eternity. There just isn't. But as you begin to absorb the gate, as you begin to be revealed to who he is, you begin to understand that your thoughts might be a stranger, might be a thief. And then as you begin to have thoughts that align with the gate, you can begin to discern that those thoughts are probably the shepherd. This is why Paul says to meditate on what is good and is holy, because that actually teaches us how to hear the voice of God for our own lives individually. It actually gives us the ability to allow the shepherd to lead us with his voice. See, you're hearing God on a daily basis. You just might not be submitting to it. You just might not be willing to admit that it's actually God speaking to you. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Okay. When I was saved 14 years ago, whatever, I don't even know anymore. Whatever short amount of time it was ago. I asked God if he was real to speak to me so that I could give my life to him. You guys have heard this, right? Most of us have heard this. I heard a voice. I heard a voice say, John I love you. That was God. I've 
based the rest of my life off of that one experience with one phrase from one voice for the rest of my life. That was the shepherd. He captivated my heart. But you could hear me say that, and you could reason in your natural mind, oh, he was just imagining. Oh, he just made that up because he wanted to hear something. Maybe I don't care. Look, uh, you're hearing things on a daily basis that are from God. You're just not submitting to them. You have the ability, you just don't have the will. You have the equipment, you just don't have the faith. God is speaking to you right now. He's calling you by name. He's actually given you the gate so you can tell the difference. The only excuse you could have for not actively hearing his voice on a day-to-day basis is just you don't want to hear it. And whether you're willing to admit that or not, it's the truth. Let's pray. Let's, let's hear God's voice together. How about that? Let's let him speak to us. Get some worship music in. We're just going to invite his presence. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jesus. You, you gave me one phrase to prove your sovereignty in my life. And Lord, I've built my life upon that, and you have been faithful because your word never returns void. I could stake it all on your voice and know that my security will be safe in you because you are faithful, Jesus. Your words are true. Your voice is pure. God, you're tender. You're kind. You're ferocious. You're a good and gracious God. And we thank you, Lord, that you want to speak to each and every one of us. You want to make yourself known as the shepherd to each and every one of us. We thank you for the gate, God. We thank you for the the definition of life. We thank you for the context of the word of God. But Lord, you also want to be a shepherd to our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we open our hearts up to your voice right now. We open our hearts to your voice right now. And Lord, we say, speak, your servant is listening. Lord, speak to us. Holy Spirit, shower us with your voice. And just right now, whatever dominating thought you have, whatever thing in your life that seems out of control and chaotic and overwhelming, that's what he wants to speak to. That's what he wants to to impart his voice into. So just right now, as your thoughts become consumed by the Holy Spirit, just hear him say, I'm going to take care of you. I love you. My power is going to break through and receive it as truth. Receive it as truth. Holy Spirit, come and speak to your people. Come and speak to your people. 
Lord, we cast off any ungodly doubt, any anxiousness. And we ask, God, that you would speak to your people. Speak to your people, Lord.